first ones of those? Save this talk for the podcast, okay, okay, bro. Okay. He's mad because it doesn't, you know, he don't have to match his outfit today. All right, y'all. Listen, can y'all, can y'all quiet down, please? Why We're not? back. Mm. We're back. Well, we are back with another segment of the Deaf Radio Podcast. And as always, well, not as always. It's only our third show. <laughs> well, always. You, we're setting the tone. Man. Yeah, we're setting, setting the, the tone. tone. That's what it is. Feels, listen, we, if, if you get the two, the third one would be always. This is third. Right. So, yeah, so, always. so as always. But, but the first one, we didn't have a guest. It was just us. And it I was going to say, as always, we have a, an esteemed guest. Oh, well, well, based off of the way you just started without yeah. saying, you know, you just were like, as always, you can say as always until you get to the part where you're seeing if it's as always. Right. Okay, so okay. So start. with that said, again. with that, no, we're not starting. We're going okay, right okay, through okay. this. I ain't even editing this, man. Um, with that said, we have Brooklyn's own uh, Mr. Clark Kent. DJ Clark Kent. Mr. DJ or DJ Mr. Which no, just DJ Clark Kent. No so Mr. no Mr. Nah. Everybody knows I'm a man. DJ, <laughs> DJ Clark man Kent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm. I'm gonna ask. My first question is this. Yeah, and you're I, just jumping right. I'm into jumping right because mm-hmm. I've always had this question and never asked you because I always okay. forget. Because every time I see you, it's just we just shooting the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So speaking where, of shooting the shit, yeah. Is that how you hurt your hip? Listen, man. Those who know me know I cut a mean rug, man. I believe you. In my, dance. I said that before. In I my crossover, my crossovers, I. Right, no, I mean? believe you got crossed over. <laughs> <laughs> you never seen him dance? No, I know he can. No, yeah, 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 that's how I know. No, you don't understand. I, I know him for a very long time. <laughs> no, I get that, but you said. And and ninety nine percent of the times that. that I've seen him, he's been in a club. <laughs> so I know he can dance. I know he can dance. He's. This is the guy who's. Who's, who's dual personality He's working your record At the same time Dancing, dancing I guess he's like I'm gonna dance If he sees me dancing He'll play the record I right, got Right You know what I'm saying Like right. You know he, he, yeah. It's a trick It's a trick Isn't he the only guy In the world you've seen With a dance injury No with a dance injury? Oh yeah. hell no! No, uh-huh. well, you, you must not go out a lot. Yeah. Nah, he don't. He's, I don't yeah, know. he's from Boston. Forgive him. They go to Boss. Boss. Where? Where in Boston? Because I went to Emerson. Quincy. I you went to Emerson? Emerson? Yes, I did. No How about way. that? See that? You didn't think you were connect, huh? They used to, play, now I used to can, play all the clubs. Now I can there. say Jay Leno came out of there. And DJ Clock King. Clock King. Never parked the car though. Oh man. So okay. This is always my question. Never got to ask it. I'm going to ask mm-hmm. it now. The name Clark Kent, yeah. other than Superman's alter ego, why, how, how'd it come about? Um, when I was young, like super young, I, I, st- I started wearing glasses when I was like in uh, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm um, first grade. Like I was six years old. And um, they all, the kids around the way always made fun of me. So it always because of the glasses and because of the shape of the glasses, they were oh you clock can't look at me, clock can't look at me. So I got that for years, and and then um, as I became a, a DJ, like when I first started, like I didn't have a name. So I'm like nine, but I'm playing records, and right. it just became your DJ clock can't. And it was it was. Maybe two years later, when I told everybody I was gonna make them look stupid for making jokes about the name, right? And as or you making did... a joke, I'm... oh yeah, very stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, um, I'm gonna put these dudes on Front Street, uh, Jo and Rossi. I, you know, I known you for a while, so I got, you know, I got, I got some questions I want to ask. I want to, you know, you know, let the people know about certain things that you've done and you are doing. But these guys prepared 
They have notes. Cool. And I'm not mad at them because they did their homework. You know what I mean? I hope, I hope they have questions that weren't that haven't been asked. Right, I hope so too. Because you know, once once you do a, a number of interviews, you, you end up redundant ans- answering the same questions. Right. So to me, the best interviews are the ones that are asking the questions that haven't been asked. So if you see something on there, scratch it off. <laughs> <laughs> so I think half of the list are off. Yeah, okay. Like, so well, you, you have no questions some, for you. Here's your question. <laughs> well, one thing I didn't know that when right. they were doing their research, I saw I like looked over their shoulder mm-hmm. and saw. I didn't know you produced for Chub Rock. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, and I original did. flavor. I didn't know that. Three either. remixes for them, and uh, yeah, I, I did produced original four original flavor. I did remixes and records on them. Okay. I signed them their record deal. Right. I knew you had involvement with them. I just yeah. did it, and at the time I knew that, but I didn't know you did production. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. Go ahead, guys. So I mean, really, <laughs> more for me though. I mean, being you being from uh, Panamanian descent. Yes, I am. Um. I'm from Rio Bajo. Oh, Calle 13. Calle 13. So, yeah. my biggest thing is, is with the whole Black Lives Matters movement and everything that's occurring in our nation, you know, you being black Panamanian, mm-hmm. um, just how does that connect to you here growing up here in New York? Well, I grew up in the United States, and um, I think what a lot of people uh, forget is that, it, well, it, we live in this country. This United States is supposed to be the land of the free, home of the brave. Like when you're here and you realize that all these things that are supposed to be so free and supposed to be so amazing to be here, that you're still caught up in a place where you have to worry about being black. See, but what a lot of black people forget in the first place is that constitutionally we weren't looked at as whole human beings. We looked at as two-fifths of a human being. So now you're trying to figure out the real thing was our civil rights was to actually be looked at as people in the first place. So when the fight was going on, it was to be looked at as equal, only as humans. Now we're trying to be looked at as equal as civilians. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's why the civil rights movement happened is because we were trying to now just be looked at as civil people. We weren't even looked at as people we weren't even looked at as humans like so we were fighting in the beginning for human rights now we're fighting for civil rights now if you look at it okay we're fighting for these civil rights amongst people who didn't even look at us like we were human in the first place right so do all lives matter maybe but black lives definitely matter because we're the ones who's fighting for our lives No, it's very true. So did you feel like... The history, history, history is what our people or people in general don't really connect themselves to. Because if they did, then maybe nobody would be offended when we say Black Lives Matter. Because they didn't matter in the first place. Right, they definitely didn't. Did you feel like any assimilation, like growing up musically with your mom, like listening to Poppy Salsa, Merengue in the house, and then you identifying with that, of course, Mm because that was being played... Traditionally mm-hmm. in your home and then hearing what's happening in the neighborhood on the block. How did that how did you kinda assimilate yourself or grow from the I I love some salsa because my mom is playing it, mm-hmm. but like I really like what's going on outside well, the streets. The good part is that my mother was an opera singer. Okay. So wow. as much as she liked Spanish music or we liked Spanish music, we liked music, period. Right. And that's the reason why I make sure that it, there's a clarity that I'm not a hip hop DJ. I'm a DJ. I don't play one kind of music. I play all kinds of music, but that's that comes from the way that we grew up. We grew up listening to all music. Right. So because of that, um, it, that 
what I was hearing was everything. So when hip hop happened, if you really know hip hop, hip hop started, it was based off of finding sections of records that you can create longer extensions of breaks for, for people to rap on or to rhyme on or to MC on. But those breaks were basically based off of the records that were already made. So the rock and roll records, the pop records, the soul records, the dance records right. is where we were getting the breaks from. So you had to know all of those music to create the breaks. Because you created If you were going to be a good DJ, right. I would say that. Well, do you feel like what was happening in the 80s after like the whole 70s with like, you know, the, the, the New York scene and what was happening just culturally, you know, mm -hmm. the gangs, the violence, and then the transition, when you saw that growing up at that time, what was your take on it? And how did you feel like when hip hop first came to your city or into your neighborhood based on what was going on just with the the, 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 the gang wars beginning to cease and, and that happening? And you're, and you're Brooklyn born and raised. No, I was born in Panama, but I was raised in Brooklyn. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I started a DJ. My first DJ experience was in the Bronx. Okay. Eating Wall Projects. Like, my first time I ever touched turntables to DJ on was what, in and Eden what year was that? Give me take. 75. Wow. How old were you? How old am I now? No, how old were you in? Oh, nine. Nine? Yeah. Do so, the math, bro. Yeah, do the math. So, at that, so when you were I'm at grown. that I'm grown. I'm grown. No, I know that. So, know. when you were at that age, at yeah. nine years old, yeah. I mean, you still, it's still impressionable world, mm -hmm. you know, what you're seeing and seeing what was happening in the Bronx at that time mm -hmm. was definitely. Well, see, I lived in Brooklyn, but I visited the Bronx. My uncle lived in the Bronx, so that's how I got to the Bronx. But what was happening in the Bronx was happening in Brooklyn, right. which was happening in Queens, which was happening in, in, oh, every, in Manhattan. Right. The, what you, what everybody, who didn't live through it when they look at it they look at it through this lens when you live in it the lens that you're looking at it is you're a part of it you know what i mean like on my block two of the leaders of the jolly stompers which is probably the biggest gang in brooklyn mm -hmm. were lived on my block they were our ogs they were the guys that we looked up to you know what i'm saying and they were like super fly to us so you were a part of it you understood it it, it wasn't like a Oh my God, this is what's happening in this neighborhood. It was like, no, we're in the neighborhood. It's not something that's happening. It's just part of our life. Where where were you at when there was the peace treaty in the city? When when right before the hip hop, when you know everybody began to go to different neighborhoods and hang out. Where were you and what was kind of your mindset when that was going on at that time? Well, see, to a eight year old. 10, 8, 9, 10 That stuff doesn't really matter. That stuff doesn't matter. What matters is the guys who were older on our block that was taking care of our block, that were taking care of the younger guys on the block. That's all that mattered to us gotcha. is that the guys who I can look at and say were our OGs, those dudes are still alive. So that means our gang really worked. Mm. Wow. That's, that's, that's big. You know what I'm saying? So... Like I had a party a couple of weeks ago to celebrate a, a, a milestone in my life. The two leaders of the Jolly Stompers that I'm talking about were there. Wow. But they were like, they're my OGs. Like that's who I grew up around. I grew up trying to emulate them and they were there. So that means that, you know, even though gangs might've had a negative effect on certain neighborhoods and on cultures, um, these guys, beat the odds right i beat the odds in my neighborhood i made it past 21 right and, and you, traveled the world yeah but making it past 21 like that's all we wanted to do when we was kids was be 21 you turned 21 it was like you made it 
everything else is uh, cherries and 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 whipped cream and and sprinkles. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you just oh yeah. shit, I made it past 21. I'm alive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That was that was like a much more major accomplishment than than being able to play some clubs when you're young. Yeah. Because of the the hoods that we lived in. Right, and that's amazing to have guys, your OGs, yeah. hold the block down, hold Absolutely. you guys down. Hold the block down, make sure nothing happened to us, taught us how to be tough. Like I like I literally lived up the street from Pappy Mason. You wow. know what I'm saying? He literally used to put us in his car and drive us to Queens around Supreme Team dudes. I know them since I was eight. Which sounds crazy, but it was because this guy lived on our block. He was the big homie. And you had a lenient mother, apparently. She let you go out. It wasn't about leniency back then because the block took care of the block. You know what I'm saying? Yes. The the hoods that you were in took care of the hoods that you were in. Like The, the, the things that were happening that were so criminalistic weren't, weren't happening to the kids who were in the neighborhoods where it was happening. They were going to other neighborhoods and doing crime or other neighborhoods coming to your neighborhood and doing crime. But... It wouldn't be the guy on your block robbing you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, there was a sense of neighborhood. So your mother knew all of the criminals. And when she was coming from the train station, her bag wouldn't get snatched because they knew that that was a mother from this block where this guy lives. Right. So you don't want to do that. And if, you know, it's it's different. It, it, it was way different than, and the element that, that, uh, I guess government or whatever or or people in power are laying on people that level of fear that they're teaching people wasn't being taught back then think about it we didn't have cell phones we still went to school we didn't have beepers we still went to school we didn't have any means of communication but we were at parks no email were, there's no there was no way to get in contact with your kids but they took right. the training school every day they got there they got home so why why should we believe that now things are so much different? Like you don't think there was kidnappings back then? Of course. You don't think there were rapes back then? Right. You don't think there were all of that extra stuff that's still happening now, happening back then? It's just now you got a cell phone. So now while I'm being raped, I can call. Right. Is that the difference? Right. Yeah. Right. You, you dig it? And so, police brutality. Was yeah. Like then and now it, it was. It's now it's just that they can catch you. Yeah, they can, catch, they can you. catch you on camera. Like you think. There weren't black people being killed by cops all those years? Definitely. Come on, man. Now you're getting now caught. Now it's just documented. Yeah, but now you're getting documented. But the but the problem is is that you're not getting arrested for it. You're not getting brought up on charges. So it's basically the same thing. There were people getting killed by cops. Cops weren't going to jail. And they're still killing black people. And they're not going to jail. So as we segue, um, wanted to get a gauge on where where were you and how did you feel when Jay and Dame and The Rock said, "Yo, we're going to Def Jam." Like, what what was the whole feeling? Because you know now, you know Def Jam now, twenty first century, different vibe. You know. By the way, how do you feel walking into these? Yeah, that's you know, a good. It just was like he was mind blown. He couldn't believe we had Just Blaze here like a, a little while ago. And he was like, yo, this is the Def Jam office now? Like, he kind of blew his mind. So how well, did you feel walking into this atmosphere? Um, let's, let's just start by this. You said that the way you do your podcast is super ghetto, right? If you I knew, don't know what you're talking about. No, but if you say, <laughs> if you know anything about Def Jam, it was like 
you were in the middle of a city and you walked into the hood. Yeah. Up in somebody's building, but it was the hood. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. was music blasting. It was people with attitudes. It exactly was exactly what we said. It right? was. It, it had something that is missing in music business altogether. It's called feelings, hmm. because there was attitudes. There were people screaming. There were people practically coming to blows like when you walk in this now i'm like first of all this isn't even where death jam was right you know what i'm saying when you think if i think of all the places where jeff jam was like this is like a coffee shop compared to i called it a library last time well it's as quiet as a library <laughs> but it's a coffee shop where you can have conversations and you can talk about things that happen because there's no pulse to record companies anymore yeah. unfortunately now it's just uh oh this record is is a. Uh, peeking in the streets let's pick it up and and then you get forced to work it you know what i'm saying it's not even like you really have this big say where everybody gets in a room and does an a r meeting and we go that song is bullshit yeah you know what i'm saying there's no more of that it's these kids are making the music on their own and then they're putting it out in their own songs aren't mastered things aren't mixed shit sounds like shit and you end up getting forced to work it because you picked it up because it's reacting mm. on youtube or reacting on Twitter. Oh, his following is crazy. His following is crazy. But is he dope? No. Can he sell out a show? Fuck the show. Is he dope? Right. It, it, nobody has to be dope anymore. Yeah. So if you don't have anybody having to be dope, how can you get feelings inside of a record company? Right. How can you get a, a whole bunch of people to just be like, yo, we're fucking with this artist because they're hyped. They're not hype anymore because now it's just their job to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, where are the feelings? Where are the we wanna we wanna make the best records in the world? Thoughts like at a, there was a moment when you you didn't even want to be on another label because of Def Jam. Mm -hmm. You just did not want your album to come out when another Def Jam album was coming out. Right. You just didn't. But when you asked me about about the um. About Jay-Z, where was I? Yeah, where were you? And just I was the vice president of Motown Records. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I just got told, no, you can't sign Jay-Z. Damn. And then right next door, he gets signed to Def Jam. And I'm sick because I'm telling him, you fucked up. And then we all went down to the Impact Music Convention. And I'm DJing a party. And the party is dope. It's like the best party that's happening we're throwing the best party, which is Motown, but the hottest record is Ain't No Nigga. And, I, and every 10 minutes I'm going, you wouldn't let me do this. <laughs> and this is my man. This is my man. Is like, my I'm man. telling like, you he's this album. Yeah, like, this album's going to come out. You're going to be mad because I'm all over it and it could have been our album. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so where was I? I was at my desk when they called and was like, <laughs> yo, we're going to do this shit with Def Jam. And I'm like, yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Biggie, but, what what's your favorite record off that album that you did? I don't have a favorite record. The, the whole album is 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 a a moment, and the whole moment it, it, when you aren't a part of a situation, you can pick it apart. Right. But once you're a part of a whole situation, it's really hard to pick it apart. Like I can't say one song is better than Cashmere Thoughts. But I still can't say there's another song better than The Evils. Yeah. And I can't say there's a song better than Can't Knock the Hustle. Can't say there's a song better than Ain't No Nigga. I can't say there's a song better than I Can't Get With That. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can't because these were the moments that made 
reasonable doubt. There's records that aren't on reasonable doubt that are the moments that made reasonable doubt. And those that moments, you produced too? yeah, that I produced, he produced. It's it's not about just what I produced. It's what it's about everything that made that album. Like if Gotta Reach the Top doesn't get made, that album doesn't get made. Right. You know what I'm saying? That song's not on the album. But if it doesn't get made, the album doesn't get made. So it's all pieces. I would have thought Brooklyn's Finest would be the most important to you. It's, it's not the most important to me. It's very important to me because of what sparked making the record. You know, it sparked a super real friendship. Yeah, it didn't, wasn't, didn't Biggie just hop in the studio and was like, Hope was like, you want to just get on this record? No, I asked Ken Hope, can I get my man Biggie on the song? Because they didn't know him. And and they were like, sure, I mean, but it, we're, we're not paying Puff no money. Because that was the thing. Like, anything Puff did, he wanted money. He wanted to be paid for his artists to do something. So, you know, with all due respect, we were going, well, we're not paying anybody anything. Because we were going gorilla making this album. We were paying right. this shit out of our pocket. Like, That's oh, come and do this record. Oh, here, here's some cash. Yeah. It wasn't like, here's a contract. It's like, here's some cash. Do this record. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and because people believed what we believed or we made people believe, people didn't argue about the thought that I'm not going to get paid. You're not going to get paid the way that you usually do. But this album's going to fix you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's all indie, right? Yeah, but the thing is, is that if you do this, and you really believe what we're telling you, then you damn near have a jump start on your career by doing this record, by being on this record. Just make a dope record on this record and, and you'll be good. And the thing is, everybody made a dope record. Was really? it a tedious process later, like 20 years now, 20 something years that we've you know seen the album live, trying to get you know your the rights of the music from which you know you're publishing? Was that just a tedious process to do? Since you know, maybe based on just the hand-to-hand cash, and just well, because the way the system is now is set up, it's like you know you protect yourself from the upfront. But back then, it was the love of the music, it was the culture, it was it was local, it was neighborhood. You knew these guys. Um, and now just kind of transition into what you did, how to get that in order now, you know, just based on your thoughts. Well, the <clears> difference <throat> back then was if you had a good lawyer and if someone knew the music business, everything was simple. I knew the music business and we had a good lawyer. So getting clearances, getting everybody cleared off on songs, getting everybody paid, getting their paperwork right was something that because we believed the business to be right, we were doing that simultaneously anyway. It's just that if you walked in the studio, it wasn't like, yeah, well, hold on, we're going to get you this check and get you this contract going. Right. It was, yo, the beat's dope, here, somebody, and then we'll figure it out. But we were figuring it out before we put a record out so we wouldn't get sued later. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? So we were ahead of it as well as we were, you know, all over it. Nah, that's dope. Um, yesterday, correct me if I'm wrong, they showed the uh, the Fox 5 30 mm-hmm. minute little yeah. uh, documentary piece and, and QA. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to see it yet, okay. but what were your thoughts on it? You know, knowing that when we do air this, folks probably already seen it. Um, I think it? I think anything paying any tribute to reasonable doubt is okay with me, as long as there's no no lies in it. You know what I'm saying? Just just tell the truth because a lot of uh, a lot of people's lives got into making that record. You know what I mean? It, it was really a part of our fiber at that moment was 
we're all making this album. And yes, Jay's the artist, but someone has to be there going, we don't like this record. And when you have, like, let's, let's say you have Def Jam and somebody comes in and there's an A&R guy and he's making the record on this, 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 this artist. The A&R guy is basically the guide, right? When you was making Reasonable Doubt, it was, I'm probably the only thing that was actually an A&R guy. And then it was a crew of us who were making the records who were all deciding whether a record was right or not. So it wasn't up to just me. It was up to everybody, Tata, Piha, everybody. Whether you made records or not, it was everybody had to feel the records were dope. And because we were such a, a crew, like it, there was no time wasted. So when a record was getting made, it was like we knew it was dope when it was getting made. Right. So that's the reason why there's not like 10 extra songs floating around that could have been on Reasonable Doubt. There's only really two. Um, wow. Do you have those two? Yeah. Of course. Will those ever see the light of day? No. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Doesn't have to ask. <laughs> yeah, we have to ask. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, people have heard one. That's um, Gotta Reach the Top. But like I said, Gotta Reach the Top is the reason why there's a reasonable doubt. That's kind of where the shift of what Hove was doing happened, was on Gotta Reach the Top. But there's a song called Tell Me How It Feels that didn't make the album because we couldn't find the debt. Mm. Like, so that's how cavalier we were about making the record. It wasn't this, you got every single debt. Where's the instrumental? Where's the TV track? With it. If you remember, Jay-Z's records came out, there were no instrumentals. Yeah, it wasn't. No. It was here's a song, here's a radio version. Play this shit or don't play shit. That's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Now, um, very cavalier. It sounds it's, super cavalier, man. Super dope, man. It's it's you know apparent that you you wore and wear a lot of hats. Um, but when I when I first heard of you, it was the parties. Mm-hmm. So and I know in a lot of ways that's your that's your. A pillar. That's it's, my favorite yeah, shit. Yeah, it's your yeah. favorite. Like it I'm shows, a DJ first. It shows when you DJ. Like Thank it, you. It, 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 it's 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 definitely yeah. transparent to see that. I realistically can give it all up just to just play all the time. Right. I would. I don't need to, to work on shoes. I don't need to produce an artist. I don't need to uh, work with any brands. If I could just DJ all the time, I'd be like, straight. I'd be super straight. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna um you know go back and and and. I mean, you said you've been DJing from from eight nine years old, nine, yeah. nine years old, and you went you know to the BX to do that. But when was your first club? Oh, actually, let me ask you this way. For instance, I, I'll give you an example. Flex was what the crate boy for Chuck Chill Out, right? Mm-hmm. Did you have that moment where you were paying dues that way, where you were you know with another DJ or assisting another DJ to to to? I was in trip? I was in a few crews, okay. but I never was the guy who was you know like. I don't want this to sound anyway, but I, but since I started, I was really good okay. as a DJ. So it's like I didn't have to play the background right. in any situation. So when I was with Jam 1, I was a frontline DJ. When I was with Jam 2, I was a frontline DJ. When I was with NA Rocks, when I was with the Spin Masters, when I was with the Sound Masters, all of these crews that I ever was with when I was growing up, mm-hmm. I was a frontline guy. I wasn't a guy who got on at the end. I was a guy who was... Yeah, it's 12 o'clock. I'm playing when motherfuckers need to hear it. Right. Because I was I was really good when I was young. Okay, and what was that 
breakthrough club or party if you had to narrow it down? Like, if I had to narrow the breakthrough moment down, I would say it was um, I was 12. And, yeah. and Grandmaster Flowers was DJing at um, Lincoln Terrace Park. And uh, he let me DJ and I didn't really know him like that. Mm -hmm. He just knew that I was the guy from up the block that was DJing, but I was super young. And it's almost like he was trying to test me to see if I would say yes. I mean, because you're looking at, this is Grandmaster Flowers. Yeah. He's the original Grandmaster. Like, he's saying, do you want to DJ? And we're in Lincoln Terrace Park where there's 400 people dancing to him because he's Grandmaster Flowers. Flowers right. But in my mind, I'm going, are you serious? If you <laughs> ask me, like, like, what have I got to lose? Right. At 12, like, you know what I'm saying? With, so I got on and he actually thought I was good and he let me keep playing. He introduced me to Pete DJ Jones after that. He he introduced me to Reggie Wells. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, these are guys who people, if you really know anything about DJing, these guys were like lords. Pete DJ Jones, Reggie Wells, those are the type of guys that are like, like godly in our world. You're gonna have a lot of people Googling and Wikipediaing after this. Oh, after well, this. If, that, if they're gonna Google anything, Grandmaster Flowers, um, Pete DJ Jones, uh, Reggie Wells, right? DJ Hollywood, of course. These guys, these guys are, are, are the, the right. they're the, they're that deal. Right. But they weren't like considered the guys in hip hop. They were the DJs. They were right. DJ DJs. Period. You know what I'm saying? Like later on, I met Larry Levan. I met Larry Levan when I was like 14. But like he's wow. to me, he's Jesus Christ of all DJs. Right. He never played a hip hop. I mean, he never played in a hip hop style. Right. You know what I'm saying? He just was one of the best musical DJs I've ever heard. Mm. Grandmaster Flowers was probably the best mixing DJ I've ever heard. Like, put two records together and let them mix for the length of a record. Like Grandmaster Flowers and these records, these were records of playing live bands are playing because mm -hmm. back then there was no drum machines and nothing like that. And he's mixing two records that are going on and off tempo for the whole records and making it sound seamless. Grandmaster Flowers is that deal. Right. And what was, you would say, what was your first uh, weekly, I don't even want to call it, what was your first regular party with like, yo, y'all coming to see? Uh, Clark Kent. I would say if I had to look at that and go where I was with, where I was at every week and you would get the full understanding of what I was about, I would have to say that that was on Union Square. Mm. And I was gonna ask to this you. day, I will say. And what they, year was that? What year was that? What um, years? It was early eighties, mid mid to early eighties. But that was the place where I could say I definitely was there every week, mm. and it was because of Red Alert. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. Red Alert, he did some shit that just people don't do. I think because Red Alert did that is the reason why I'm down to help every DJ. Like, at first it was, I'm just down to help Superman. You know what I'm saying? They're my crew, and if you're down with me, I'm going to help you. But when Red Alert was like, yo, come on, man, come to the club, and you're going to DJ at this time, and it was 1 o'clock. And I'm like, do you know what's fucking... They're going crazy out there right now at 1 o'clock. Like, you're going to put me on it. And every week he put me on at 1 o'clock, and, and he let me just do whatever I wanted to do. And I used to go eat shit. Wow. And, like, who does that? This is... This is like before KRS-One and them came out. Like, wow. I mean, like this is this is the this early is '80s. This is this that is shit. Like, stuff, man. I remember one week 
uh, what's his name? Schoolie D was there performing. Like, this is how old that is. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I would do Latin quarters ever so often, opening or whatever. But to be on at one o'clock in Union Square, that's was the illest shit in the world. What was your thoughts when uh, Lyrics Lounge came out? That really was just a pivotal time, um, just in, not in New York, but for hip hop and culture, where you know a lot of the you skipping like you. I'm you skipping, skipping a few years. So many years. <laughs> I'm skipping a few years, but that, it just came to my head now, so I can't like. And it was just an era that I mean, I'm I'm 34, mm-hmm. so it was an era that meant a lot to me with hip hop mm-hmm. and seeing that happening. Damn, so you just, old. I'm old, yeah, you're, yeah, DK. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I just wanted to get your take on that and, and just what your thoughts were and where you were when you seen that and um, when you actually went to see what was really By that, you on. mean like the whole indie renaissance period of, that, of, 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 of New York, York hip hop? Okay. Yeah, hip hop, yeah. And well, just hip hop period. I think it was a moment where things were becoming uh, bigger than usual. Like rap was everywhere. And I think. Um, New York was just trying to get there. Like this is what this is what's really at feeling back. Right. So you you had your boot camp clicks. You had Biggie Biggie perform the lyricist lounge. You had yeah. all of your New York based artists really getting their moments in this place. Right. Where they cared about the art. You know what I'm saying? The actual art of being an MC. Like I know one of my boys' name is Jay. His fiance performed there. Like and I can remember that and then saw her like many, many years later and he's trying she's trying to make me understand where I might have seen her before and I was like, Oh shit, door knocker earrings, you performed the lyrics. What's her name? Now we're not gonna do that. <laughs> saying, Just know it's my man Jay's fiance. I'll right. leave it that way. Right. But like like I mean, that's how, like, how important it was. And she had her, her Tims, her Jabot jeans, and door knocker earrings, and she performed. You know what I'm saying? And one day I made her say the rhyme that she said, and I was just like, man, she really did perform. It was crazy. Dope. That's crazy. It was, it was a serious time. It was a serious time. Yeah, it was a serious it time. Everybody stepped through that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you wanted to do something, there were so many, like, hoops you had to jump through back in the days to really get paid to really have people pay attention but that was because people had to be special back then it ain't like now where anybody can make a record you know what i'm saying you had to have some talent yeah because record deals were extremely hard to get yeah i remember kids were you know a lot of us would be hyped when somebody would press up a 12 inch like that was like yo no that was super it. hard if you had a 12 inch. it was amazing to be able to press up a 12 inch like it was like, I, mean, I mean understand me if you press up a 12 inch you might hear your record on the radio yeah you might and red red was playing he was sandwiching records mm. on the air like some yeah. of my friends would get sandwiched into yeah the, he would records, he so. would he would get your record on i mean but you might get your record played. Maybe, you yeah. have to understand in New York, in the hood, if you was a, a rapper, Red Alert playing your record is like getting a Grammy. Because you don't understand there's another level to it. Just the fact that somebody heard your record on the radio was your first Grammy. Now, whether somebody decided they liked it and whether they bought it is a totally different situation. But the fact that it got on the air, that shit was like a piece of your movie. Yeah. So, so would you say that these rappers back in that time 
getting the records to the DJs was the most important step to get noticed to get a label deal? Last night, in a reasonable doubt piece, Primos explained how he met Jay about how I brought Jay up to, yeah. to the station and gave him the record. He listened in his headphones and he played it and everybody heard the record. Those are the most important moments back then is that a DJ with some credibility played your record. Not Joe Neckbone who's on at 3.30 in the morning that no one's going to hear. No, Red Alert, DJ Premier, Molly Ma, Pete Rock, Stretching Bob, Clark Kent. Clark you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we played your record. Chuck, chill out. If, if, if the dudes who were on in prime time, I mean in the prime mix time, like that would be Red, Chuck, Molly, me, Pete, Kevy Kev. Those were the prime time mix guys. Magic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those prime mix times. If we played your record, your movie started. Right. Someone was gonna notice. Someone would notice. Now the thing is, whether you play good records or not, and that's what set the difference between lots of DJs is whether you play good records or not. Now, uh, when did um, when did uh, your business relationship with with Jessica start, and that whole club, you know, that whole club rampage, Jessica? Jessica, first, let me start by saying this. I love Jessica with all my heart. Right. Like, that's my girl, all right? Jessica used to be the door work, the door person at Nell's. So, if you didn't get into Nell's back in the days, like, mm-hmm. it was because of Jessica. And I'm not talking about the after Nell's. I'm talking about the Nell's when it was the shit to be able right. to get in there. Where you would be two steps from Mike Tyson the, or Wesley or... Any super duper star was like a, a step away from you. I'm not talking about Tupac um, Nels. I'm talking about the Nels. Like when movies were being made that motherfuckers would revere later on in life. Like that Nels. Mm-hmm. She was the door person. She handled the door. So if you didn't get in, you could blame it on her. And she was notorious for having the best door. When she left Nels, she did a party at um, MK's in the build. She did it. I think it was the building. But the first DJ she called was, was me. So she changed from being the door person at a place that you couldn't get into to having a party and the first and it was the first down real real heavy downtown hip hop party. Mm. That and understand me, like um Union Square was on 14th Street. It was at Union Square, but it wasn't a downtown party. It was a big ass club and that. Union um, Union Square is totally different than what was happening at the building. The building was if you went to Union Square, it was all the hood. If you went to the building, Matt Dillon would be in the party. Madonna would be in the party. Right. Like, it was downtown. Right. It was like the Basquiat, yeah, it, it was it was ill like that. It was like right. the afterlife. It was, it was the parties that happened after all of that super-duper, I'm going to be high in the club all night parties. Like, it was, okay, I'm going to introduce y'all to hip-hop the right way. So I'm going to do a party. I'm going to get all y'all cool people to come. But I'm gonna show you what hip hop really looks like. And she had me DJ on um, DJ one night and Red Alert DJ the other night. But understand me, this is how the club opened. This is how it started. That's amazing. So she really is what you would call 
the empress of downtown hip downtown hip hop hip hop downtown. She she is the club killer. She's super ill. Mm. So our relationship started there because I used to be at Nels. I used to DJ at Nels, but it was when she left and started her own party and she called me first. And then later on when she started to blow up even more, she called Puff, who Puff called? Puff called Puff. So every time she moved the party and started somewhere else, she it started with circle me. Circle back with you. Yeah. So I mean Okay. Jessica is the queen of downtown sexy parties. She right. is. And and if anybody tries to take that away from her, they, they're lying. They've never <laughs> been out before. And it was the party that you would feel fucked up if you didn't get into. Yeah, because yes. because <laughs> it was a Jessica was party. Was Forget that everybody was in there. It was a it's Jessica, Jessica party. You knew I wanted to go to the stress entertainment joints. It was her. And if you were a DJ, you wanted to be downward. You definitely wanted to be downward. <laughs> they still want to be downward. What's crazy is, like, I never was contractually downward her, but I was her first. Like, I I was the guy who she called for everything. Like, years before everybody else. I was the one who told her, yo, you got to let Kick a pre-play. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were doing, I was doing the building. It was me one night and Red the next night. And it was it was killer. Two, same party, two nights in a row. Her both both nights. She promoted both nights. Parties were dope. Do you remember what nights they were? Like Mondays, uh, Thursdays? Thursdays and Saturdays. Okay. No, 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 no. Fridays and Saturdays. Okay. It was either Fridays and Saturdays or Thursdays and Fridays. Regardless of what. No, I think it was Thursdays because one one Thursday I had to go to Paris to do the New Jack City Grant um the New Jack City release party for the for the release of the movie New Jack City in Paris. And Jessica was doing the party. And you can ask Jack Benson, who's the who's like the, the director of damn near every show on MTV. I took him with me to be my roadie, and we went to go do this party in Paris. In Paris, and she was like, "What the fuck am I gonna do for a DJ next week if we're in Paris?" And I was like, "My man uptown gets busy." And she never heard his him. name is Kid Capri. His name is Kid Capri. <laughs> she was like, "But he's from uptown. He's from." I'm like, "Yo." Kid Capri is gonna kill shit. He's my man. He gets busy. Okay. So based on me, what I'm telling her, she was like, okay. Gets Kid Capri. Kid Capri comes downtown. He kills shit. He kills shit so much. We got three nights. Wow. So Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So everybody gets shifted. And I was like, yeah, he can have Thursdays. I'll take Friday and Saturday. But because I was just like, yo, you gotta use him. He's the shit. Yeah. But he was my man, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And but he was the shit. He used to kill uptown. Yeah, wow. he did, man. That's crazy. Uh, now I know Jo wants to eagerly switch gears into you something. Mean, nah, we, we, no, we, you we, do, you do, bro. You're a fashion guy. You have a fashion guy <laughs> sitting here. Come on, it's inevitable. I mean, <laughs> you're the you're the king of sneakers. I don't know about that. I, I yeah, that, that, I'm gonna put this down. I mean, you know, you probably, but I mean, in your closet today. Yeah. Do you, hey, I'm gonna not even say your closet. You probably have a second home for your sneakers. <laughs> I, have, I have it. By the way, speaking, <laughs> speaking. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Speaking of, speaking of home and speaking of parties, right? This man invited me to his to his part to a party at his crib once. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna party at my house. I'm like, oh, all right. He's like, come through. I'm it like, wasn't a party. It was a barbecue. But what, oh, oh, it's even worse. It's so even worse. worse. It's even better. So no, no, it's no, 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 no. Let me explain okay. something. Let me explain. Okay. Hold on. All right. So I'm going. I'm, you know, I'm thinking a few people in the backyard, maybe. You know, some people in his living room. Maybe just a few things on a on a grill. Dog. 
that was a party. It was better than like half the club that was going on. It, you couldn't move. He has a huge backyard and it's just, it was retarded. It was like, his party was jam packed. People outside, people inside. It was crazy. Like, but I should have known better knowing that you come from the party scenes you know that you can't just throw a mediocre barbecue. You do a crazy <laughs> fucking party <laughs> and call it a barbecue. It is a barbecue because I see no food. I just saw people. Oh, then that means you missed it. Like no, the food probably. is like usually the craziest part is the food because we got like four or five different people cooking. I got bartenders. And I got a All stage. I saw, I saw the stage and I saw right. a bunch of Who DJs. Huh? Dude, I don't no, remember. DJs, DJs bro. I'm a DJ. Kid Capri. But think about this. It's 4th of July. Oh. And DJs don't go nowhere right. to DJ at this bar- at this barbecue. It's it's just a barbecue. It really yeah, right. is. It starts that way <laughs> and then it's just it's just just it just went too far. It, it morphs into but yeah, the monstrosity. So like for eight years it was just bananas. So you stopped it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of had to because the offers that I was getting to work were okay. crazy. Okay. So you gonna bring it back at some point though? I, I don't know, man. You I don't know. Like it's a lot. It's a lot, man. It's a lot to do it. I was mind blown. It's, it's a lot. You know what it is? This is crib, yo. People, anybody who's been to it can say that they probably went to the best barbecue ever because ever. It's there's no pretense there. Nobody's famous. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you standing next to Carmelo Anthony at my barbecue, and you're like, Carmelo Anthony's at the barbecue, but then like after two minutes, it means nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because no, the barbecue is more important than anybody the who's there. Vibe. Plus, like I'm somewhat, I guess, a little famous. So it's like you're going to someone who might have a little bit of fame's house. Like, why would anybody else be famous at my house? Mm-hmm. So when people are walking in, they're going, Oh, that's Wendy Williams. Oh, oh right. that's Buster Rhymes. Buster right. Rhymes is mad because I don't want to do the barbecue again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm mad because like, you don't want to do the barbecue yo, yo, you need to come do the barbecue again. And he's mad at me. Right. And I'm just like, dog, we're friends. You got to stop. You <laughs> right. know what I'm saying? Can but, I just get this bread? Like, nah. <laughs> like, so, I'm spending you know, all this bread for right now. But, um, but, it's, but it's just like a real, real good party. And it's really like 10 DJs. But they're not just DJs. They're like, oh, he's got a name. Oh, but no, he's good and he has a name. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you see DJ Scratch, Ooh. you know DJ Scratch has a name, mm-hmm. right? But he goes ape shit at the barbecue because it's ten other DJs that are ready to go, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got to you got Billy show. Bush, Billy Bush coming Ooh. from Connecticut who wow. gets busy, Billy Bush gets busy. but but like I'm the first person damn near to discover Billy Bush. Like I was telling everybody, yo, this is DJ on Connecticut. He made this tape, best tape I've ever had was the tape that Billy Bush made, wow. and I would tell everybody about it. And they would just wouldn't believe me. And then I put Billy Bush in front of everybody. And they're just like, yo, this dude is awesome. I told you. Don't fucking listen, <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, So, yeah, so you got a, a, a second home for your sneakers, I'm assuming. No. no. It's just the whole basement. So, but the basement's probably the size of this office. Well, see, I think that's where he was going. I think that... No, understand me. I'm just saying. I think that's sneaker. where he was going. Okay. He's come to my house. So, he so you it's, see. It's not a... It's not a... I don't live in an apartment. No, it's a big house. No, I'm assuming that that's the case. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's the size. It's a of decent this, house. The basement is the size of. It's the a office. decent house. This office? Nah. Oh, the depth yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the building, but the office, oh, the floor, the, the floor, just the yeah, floor. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with your sneakers, you mm-hmm. have give or take several thousands, maybe. Yeah. 
sneakers. About 2,500. 2,500. Out of that 2,500 sneakers, let's keep it going, right? <laughs> Out of all those sneakers, top 10. Top 10 favorite sneakers. I know it's hard to pick because it's just so many different sneakers that you like, love. From Jordans to different Air Forces to Pumas to Asics. Well, to what, what, what you got on now? Uh, shattered backboards. Yeah, the, the shattered right backboards. There. The original shattered backboards. Um, original. Original. Yeah, not the new ones. Uh-huh. I mean, they're brand new, but uh, they're not the new ones. Kept them crispy. No, it's the first time I'm wearing them. Oh. Do you, do, do you get the sneakers now from directly from the brand? No. From brand? Or do you go to Flight Club? Like, or do you go to, or is it just a? He trying to get just, just regular sneaker stuff. Okay, I'm just saying because you know that, that's 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 a big big misconception. Everybody thinks I get everything free. Like that is far from the truth. Far from the truth. You spend bread. In there. Yeah, but I but I don't pay over box price. I never will. If it's over box price, I don't want them. I'm good. Keep but over. on Instagram, yeah. when you say one a days, right? Wear them once and give them away. What really? What size yeah, I you thought, wear, son? <laughs> I thought that's what it meant, but I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah, but I, I stopped doing that on on my birthday. Damn. So you want? But to pass I've them given down away to... like thousands of pairs of sneakers. I'm a nine well, and, and a half. Away, do you just pass in case, them down nine, to nine relatives, or you just give them the whole? Well, my nephew, or... my nephew wears my size. He gets enough, but uh, he can't get everything because then his mother would be upset at me, yeah. and I, I can't deal with that. And then I got friends who wear my size, and they can have. And then um, most, I would say 90% get given away to people who don't have shoes or charities like when um, Katrina hit, I gave a thousand pair of sneakers away. When the first hurricane that happened in, um, in Haiti, I gave a thousand pair of sneakers away. Wow. I've given over, maybe I've given about 4,000 pairs of sneakers away. Wow. Well, listen, we, we do a homeless sneaker drive yeah. once a year, Whatever. so I'll let you know about it. Whatever, time. that's easy. Yeah. What? Real quick Shameless to play. piggyback off Like, that. I just, like last night, I, I just cleaned out a whole section of, like, and just thought to myself, I just got to get rid of them. It wasn't like a, a warm or anything. It's just, it's just too much. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's a problem. Yeah. You know, First thing you have to be able to do is admit that it's a problem. It's just that <laughs> I like to be fresh. I like to wear I brand mean, new sneakers, and that's my thing. So the the one a days thing, the reason why I ended it was because there was a pair of sneakers I wore, and I was like, I would probably want to wear these again because I don't have another new pair. Right. But also, it was. Does it make sense to always be wearing brand new sneakers every day? And I was just like, no. no but no. <laughs> I didn't. Care. The other part is, I have so many pairs of shoes. I want to wear them all. Right. You know what I'm saying? So instead of having to give away a bunch of shoes that I haven't worn yet, I'm trying to actually get through them. Gotcha. So those. Go ahead, bro. Oh, I'm a big sneakerhead. I used to work at Foot Action when I was about 18, 17, 18. I'm 31 now. So this is what I always like. This is debatable. So back then you could just walk in when the Jordan release, yeah. pick it up right there, mm-hmm. you know, walk out. At right. least to like four o'clock. If like you pay four, four p.m. If you pay for them. Yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so in your opinion, which Jordan started the hype? That um, long dog. Like it's debatable. Probably the three or the four. Yeah. What year? The years that they came out. Like well, the let me let me let me let me just. Because I'm thinking the 11s, the 11s nah, when they retro nah, them, 2000, nah, 2001. Nah, there was hell. No, people were getting robbed in New York. Super young. Way no, before they were getting that, robbed bro. before that. Way before that. 
Yeah, here's the deal. People were robbing people for all yeah, kinds of shit all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Polo coats, it didn't matter. Right. It's just that now you got sneakers. People were getting robbed for Bally's, they were getting robbed for British Walkers, they were getting robbed for Playboys, they were getting robbed for Pumas, Star Adidas, jackets, everything. Whatever. Everything. Jackets, so yeah, everything. when people be like, oh my God, they're robbing people for sneakers, I'm just like, well, do you know those were sneakers they were robbing people for back in the days? Right. When they were taking, like, one of my cousins got robbed for a pair of Adidas. We went back and went to go fight the guys to get them back. I mean, but this is way back in the days. We was in high school. You know what I'm saying? So, nah. Don't let nobody tell you. Nah. I'm going to tell you what really created what, what you guys look at as the hype. Not for me. Yeah. But for the masses. It would be Spike Lee. Yep. Think about it. Yeah. Spike Lee let the sneakers be a character in a movie. It wasn't like he's just wearing sneakers. No, he's wearing Air Jordans and they broke. When he's and she's got to have it, all the way through the movie, he never took his sneakers off. In bed, everything. He never took his Jordans off. Yeah. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. And do the right thing. Do the right thing is when it was, yo, your sneakers are broke. Your sneakers are broke? But before, he did the commercial and he was going, is it the shoes? Mm. Now it's not Mike, it's the shoe. Yeah. So it was Spike Lee. Spike Lee is... Undoubtedly, the father of what y'all call this 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 sneaker thing. hype. As far as the campouts go, you don't think Nike's when Nike began to began to limit the number of sneakers produced, you don't like the defined loans package. You don't think that has something to do with no. the campouts? No, because where were pink linen? Where were the linen Air Force One sold? Japan only, yeah, right? Yeah, it's pretty that, limited. That limited huh? there, yeah. yeah, you're right. You probably never even saw them in person. No, right? see, so they were doing limited way right back in the day. Japan had some shit I ain't never seen. Like yeah. when I went out there. Still. So I would always go to Japan and go sneaker shopping. I would always go to JD Sports in London and go sneaker shopping because you would get shit that you don't see. It's just that now you heard they're limited. Mm. But your mind didn't tell you we never got linens right. here. They must be limited. Defining moments? Yeah, that it was, was at least long. 25 times more defining moments than there were linens. Right. But. But I'm be, saying, do you think that created the hype? Limited, not at all. Sneak, not at all. Sneakers. Because they were always limited. That's not what created the hype. Now, what created the hype was the fact that there is somebody who will pay more than what they're worth. And blogs. Information creates all the hype. You never knew when a shoe was coming out. You never knew what a release date was. You had to wait mm-hmm. till the All Star game to and see what he wore, wore and yep. then go chase the shoe. Well, yep. You only had Nike talk, which was some people. That's a blog, and that's True. information. True. The information is what is what we're talking about right here. Right. We're not even talking about sneakers. We're just talking about information. Now, do you know if Spike Lee has a crazy collection of sneakers? Yeah, Spike Lee has crazy sneakers. Is he fucking with you? Nah. <laughs> I mean, not not in a funny way, just like in a no that that wouldn't even make sense because he's so focused sneaker wise. Like he's heavy Jordan, heavy Nike. Like yeah. I'm heavy Nike and heavy Jordan, but like I got tons of everything else. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Like you would come in my basement and go, why does he have more New Balance than damn near everything? Like I'm a, I like New Balance. New Balance is an epic. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? 
What are your white and white Air Force Ones? That's number one. White and white. That's yes. a classic. White and white low top Air Force that's Ones. That's all you need for the rest of your life. That's just, yeah. that's just like so a, that's everything a, from two to ten can be all kinds of things. There's doesn't matter. Air Max Ones. Always. Red and white Air Max Ones are like my second favorite shoe. Which people wouldn't even believe. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Clean. Jordan 3s and 11s to me are tied. Fours, fives, fives to me are better than fours. Not to everybody else. Everybody else would be like fours are number one. Fives are better than fours. Mm. Ones are a staple. I can't even tell you where to put them. Right. That just needs its own category. Yeah. Like this is. But then there's Adidas Grand Prix. Like y'all are like, what are Grand Prix? But to me, you can give me Grand Prix in every color, and I will be good. (laughs) But. We don't like the same shit because I come from an era that y'all can't understand. There's a Bally sneaker that, well, Bally sneaker's never been retro, but there's a Bally sneaker. It was the very first Bally sneaker. The the, the new buck was so soft you could clean it with tissue. Clean it with tissue. Like, clean it. Not wet, dry tissue, wipe the new buck, it's clean. Those shits came out, that's top 10 sneaker to me. Never came out again. But they're Bally's, Bally's sneakers. Like who's thinking of that? MCM sneakers came out, no one knew I had them. Mm. Gucci sneakers came out, everybody got them when they, get, when they got to the um, sale racks and when they got to the, the what you call it, stores, the, um, the outlet stores. <laughs> nah, not Marshalls, the, out, the Gucci outlets. But, ah! I, but I had Gucci sneakers when everybody was wearing fake Gucci um, clothes made by Dapper Dan. You know what I'm saying? That's when everybody, ah. I had Gucci sneakers when they were wearing that. When people were sewing Gucci stripes on and Louis Vuitton, like I was wearing the actual sneakers out of the store because I wasn't scared to walk in the store. But you know, the game is what y'all call it. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't subscribe to uh, that thing. I call it a sneaker game because I feel like it's all a game. What's your thoughts on the uh, the Yeezy movement right now? It, is just, that a movement? I, it is. I mean, I mean, Black Black Lives Matter is a movement. That's true. Well, I guess the uh, the wave. Yeezy, the wave, the, the wave, wave of Yeezy season, the sneakers. Here's the what I, here's what bump? I think. Here's what I <laughs> think. Right hole? No, here's what I think. I think Kanye West. He's done some things that are impre- un- uh, that are unprecedented in the music business. I mean, in the sneaker business. He went to a company that is totally based off of sports. That means they're based off of performance, and he made them make a performer's shoe. Mm. Not a performance shoe, a performer's shoe, because he's a performer. He's not an athlete. Athletes are in performance, performers perform. Right. He made a performance shoe at a company that on the back of their tongue says they make shoes for the, the, the distinct what the but, athlete But they wants. did that for others. They did the run DMC Adidas. Yeah, what's, what company? Adidas. Yeah, I'm talking about Nike. Okay. The only reason he did an Adidas is because he did a Nike. Okay. They wouldn't have came at him. Right. But he did a Nike. And what he did at Nike is... It's groundbreaking. Like, it's way more important than you think. Mm-hmm. You might you can like the shoe, you can hate the shoe, it doesn't matter. The fact that they actually created his own silhouette at that brand... He trumped everything that they're about. They're about athletes. You ain't no athlete. <laughs> That's true. You're not an athlete. You are a rapper. 
and you got your own silhouette at Nike, that trumped their motto. Their motto is like, we do what we do for the, the exact specifications of athletes. Look on the back of Nike tongues and read that shit and tell me where that appears, where that at, where that thing that they write on the back of their tongues, where does that connect to a rapper? It doesn't. They had to make a shoe for this rapper. So no matter what happens, all of this shit that you're seeing is happening at Adidas or anywhere else is based off of the fact that they trumped the rules. That's out there. It's not about, oh, he did a shoe and everybody thinks it's dope or whatever. He wouldn't have... Why would Adidas go at him unless he did this shoe at Nike? Why would he want to be somewhere else or have new money coming in unless he broke the rules at a brand like Nike? Like Nike, yeah. Right. And they don't endorse artists. They're just giving free shit. They give him free shit. Yeah. Now, based off of what they did and off of him moving, Drake gets a deal. Mm-hmm. Like, how? How, yeah. Oh, because of what he did. But do you think Drake's going to get a silhouette? Nope. No. Probably not. Maybe 10 years from now. If that, maybe. Maybe. They're Didn't still Flex gonna... have lugs? Yes, he did. No, but but he did. And, and think about this. I don't, you, you laugh, but this is a guy who's a DJ. I had a pair, by the way, so... Let, listen to what I'm, I'm saying. I'm not really laughing. I, as, as much as you might not like the shoe, or you might like the shoe, or you whatever feelings you have towards it, how many people get to have their own shoe with their likeness or that stands for them at any brand and a brand that had some success yeah not many you know what i'm saying like you gotta think he's synonymous with birdman it's true birdman has a shoe at lugs he had a shoe at lugs he had a shoe that was driven to a passion that he had for for cars he had a driving shoe. Yeah, you're right. I didn't. I forgot. He about didn't have that. a right. snicker. He had a driving shoe. Yeah, People did. might say, "Oh man, he did this with lugs," but he didn't do a sneaker. He did a driving shoe. He did some shit that rappers can't do. Mm-hmm. Like, can't do. I'm not saying they won't do. I'm telling you, they can't do. Especially it. back then, when he did it. Mm. But. You know, people just go, oh, lugs. Instead of saying, wait a minute, look at the moment. Don't look at the shoe. Look at the moment. Look at the importance of the moment. The moment says, we believe in Funkmaster Flex when he talks about that car shit, that we're going to give him his own driving shoe. You don't even have to like the shit no more. It was done because of a passion he had. Who, who, who? (laughs) Take your time, man. Show me somebody (laughs) else. Take your time and show me somebody else that has that. No DJ, that's for sure. No, nobody. I've designed a... No, but I don't have my own silhouette. I've designed a bunch of shoes. Mm. A bunch. And funny enough, realized it recently that it's over 50 shoes. Wow. But I don't have one that is totally designed out by me. Like, I, from the ground up, I told you what I want the bottom to look like, the top. No. Mm -hmm. I'm coloring up a bunch of shoes that are already made. Kanye West has his own designed out shoe with his name as a SKU number to it. Mm. Funkmaster Flex has a shoe with a SKU number to it. Okay. So all the jokes that anybody might have, to me, I don't think it's funny. Because I challenge all of you motherfuckers to show me one motherfucker. That's Doc Carter's. That's a real shoe that happened. That's it crazy. might look like a Gucci shoe, but it's a S. Doc Carter shoe. It's his shoe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fifty, his own shoe. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? But think about what I'm saying. Oh, 
Nobody else penetrated That's right. Nike. That's right. Nobody? Except Kanye? Come on, man. Yeah, that's crazy you say that the gentleman who actually gave those guys their sneaker deals at Reebok actually now is on MVP. Well, Q Gaskins was involved. Oh, Q. Yeah, Q is my man. No, well, Q was involved, but I'm, I'm going to give y'all some game. This is, I don't know if y'all know this part. Do y'all know about Allen Addison's shoe, his first shoe? Not all the The question? Y'all can go back to him and, and tell him this because tell him that someone who knows knows. The shoe. Allen Iverson is who? The answer. Yeah. Right? His first shoe is called a question. Why is it called a question? Me? No, no. Yeah. Notice Allen Iverson got signed and automatically had a shoe. Okay. It didn't okay. take no time. Right. Mm-hmm. Shoes take damn near a year to figure out. Allen Iverson gets shoe and there's a, there's a shoe sitting there waiting for him when he gets signed. So shoe has a Q on the back. Situated when he was in the shoe has a Q on the back. So they call it the question. Okay. But it was really the cute Gaskins. But you gotta know him to know that. Right. Like he's that's my epic. man. You that's know what I'm saying? He's probably gonna he's probably gonna kill me for telling you. <laughs> 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 but, but think about it though, like you don't get signed and have a shoe waiting that's for you. Right. You know what I'm saying? You have to figure out a shoe. That's epic. Wow. That's super epic. Have you said that in any other interview? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever asked me about that. Like that. Nobody's man. ever brought Q up. Q is really my guy, though. He's my man. He's been my man for forever since he was. He was guy. shocked that you were coming. By the way, not in a bad way. He was like, "Oh, work." So basically, we're doing something good. So you know what? I believe you. In his heart, he knows that I'm. I will speak good about him like that. He knows that I'm gonna tell you about that cue. Yeah, that's epic. But think about it. Like, why would they call the answer the question? Right. They had to figure it out. Yeah. Well, he's the answer. Allen Iverson's the answer. Okay, your first shoe. Your first shoe is gonna be called the question, question. to Second see one. if you have the answer. answer. Wow. Because you're a rookie. You gonna rookie out in something that's called a question because they don't believe you just yet. Right. That's epic. But it was really because the cue was on the shoe already, and that's the cue was on the shoe because the cue gasped. That's crazy. <laughs> That's epic. So, um, last time, actually, it's crazy. When I first met you, um, I had the chance to interview you, and I asked you who you thought was like at that time. This was about maybe nine, maybe ten years ago. I never released this. I still have it at home on the tape. Um, but you said a gentleman by the name of Curtains, right, mm-hmm. at that time. And curtains is now currently like more in the fashion space and not MCing, which I wish you know he would pick up the mic again soon. So do I. I, I think he's just an incredible MC. But now, um, who would you say you got your eye on? Who you hearing about in the streets, music wise? And, and are you producing for anybody? And and that's and that's the segue to that question. Okay. I was gonna say this too. You saying you're asking a lot. What's that's the first question? All right. So the first question is, who's popping who's in your eyes right, right now? And are you? Wait, hold on. First question. First Who's question. popping in my eyes right now? Yes. Like, who do I think it's too is... too pronged. The question who do I is think too pronged. Is, who do I think is dope right now? No. That's not even... That's signed and unsigned. Doesn't oh, matter. Signed? Just whoever. Signed, Fab, Pusha, Jada, yeah. Travis, okay. uh, Kanye, J. Cole, Jay-Z is still the best. Um, I yeah, I can I can go on about the dudes who have deals. Um, I would I would say 
Dave East on the come up, but he has a deal now. Yeah, I think Dave is dope. Yeah. There's a kid from Buffalo named um, Conway who I like. Oh yeah, Conway's dope. I like Conway. I like him a lot. I think we might be at the end of the list. <laughs> because and, and the reason why is because if you don't have a record deal, I'm looking at the bars. You know what I'm saying? Because the bars matter to me the most. That if if you look back in the history of rap, like the MCs that lasted the longest were the ones who had the bars. That's why you'll never forget Rakim is because of bars. You never forget Kane because of bars. You never forget Chris because of bars. The ones you love, you love because of the bars. The only one that you love and it wasn't because of the bars was Tupac. That's because you believed Tupac. I'm just saying, look at the ones you give a fuck about. Right. The Hoes, the Biggies, the Nas, the 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 Andre 3000, the Kanye, the Pushers, the all of these dudes, the Drake. Drake is fucking amazing. Yeah, he's but nice level. These are the dudes that you care about. It's because they can rhyme for real. And then you got the dudes who made you believe them. The Tupac. Because Tupac never said a super dope rhyme. He just said his rhymes really dope. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I forgot to say Eminem early I forgot to say Big Sean early I forgot to say Royce I forgot to say Joe Buttons I just forgot to say Joe Joe um, Joel Joel Ortiz Joel I forgot Ortiz, to say yeah. cro- Crooked Yeah Crooked is crazy. Yeah Crooked He's is fire. fire I mean dudes like from, from, from back in those eras Freddie Fox was a beast yeah. You know what I'm saying Scarface You know what I'm saying I'm talking about dudes who really really rap Like the game can rap right. You know what I'm saying Roscos. Oh my gosh Roscoe's Yeah he was I mean, We were together the other day But it, I'm just remembering dudes Like at the top Like who really really Can really rap for real But then you got these dudes Who Who don't really Say the best rhymes But they say them so good That you believe That they're better than they are mm-hmm. Tupac Like Show me One Super ill bar By Tupac and I'll show you 100 by Hove. 100. I'll show you 200 by Hove for every one you show me by Pop. Did he say his rhymes amazingly? Absolutely. But show me one super ill bar. I'll show you 200 by Biggie. Mm. And he only got two albums. But I'll show you 200 for every one super ill line. You know what the crazy part is? You can't give me one. But you can recite his records. But you can't say this bar was crazy. Yeah. But you can recite all of his records. That means he made you believe him. Mm. He's a rapper's rapper. He's an amazing rapper. He wasn't that good of an MC, but an amazing rapper. You an MC? Go ahead, Cool G rap. That motherfucker was spitting. Yeah, he was. Never lost a step either. He was spitting your face off. He was fucking amazing, B. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I be looking for the, the bars, man. So when I look at these new dudes, I'm like, what are you saying? That's it. Yeah. Like, there's a dude, Oswin Benjamin. Yeah, he's dope. He raps. Oswin Benjamin. Oswin Benjamin. Oswin. He raps. I saw him at a at an MC battle, and he he wasn't in the battle, but he performed at the battle. And he was wilding. He could rap for real. That's a new guy that I forgot to mention. He rose with uh, Chris Rivers. Yeah. yeah. What you think? Of, what, what you think of Pun Son? He's cool. It's cool. Yeah. 
You have to understand. <clears throat> you can be cool, but you really got to show me some shit. Right. You got to. You got to show me some shit, man. Yeah, you've seen it. You got to be saying a lot of rhymes for me to think it. Like, you really got to be saying it. Like, and and my thing is like, just because you got ten thousand rhymes doesn't mean that they're all dope. Like, you can have ten thousand rhymes and just rhyme a lot. But that don't mean that you rhyme good or that you, what you're saying is amazing. It just means that you got a lot of content. Mm-hmm. It's quality over quantity. Yeah, give me the bars. I'm Keep all you. of that extra shit. Just give me the bars. That's why when you look at Hove, every time he made an album, that you would you would maybe hear two records that didn't make the album. Because he wasn't wasting bars. He was using his bars for good that? reasons. Like, I'm going to say some dope shit and they're going to get on these records. Oh. Now, speaking of bars, are there any bars that you're producing for? Um, I, I committed to doing something for Dave East. Woo. Because I, I think he has a feeling about him. And I just want to see if I can give him something that feels crazy. That's good. I want to try to figure out if I can get something in on uh, Freddy versus Jason, too. Ooh. Uh, okay. Sounds but um, if not, he's in the right building for nah, both of them. But <laughs> if, but if not, I'll definitely be on the second project. Right. Okay. Because so. me and Fab are tight, and we've been talking about this album for a long time. So there's gonna be a second Jaden Fab. If it, if there's a second Jaden Fab, you best believe I'm gonna be extremely oh, involved. Okay. Just even if it's not about making a record, it's it's gonna I'm gonna be involved. Because I want to be involved in what these two guys mean to rap. These two guys are like stellar MCs. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they're they're like stellar. Like it, if it was on me, I'd call Pusher in. I'm like, come on, all three of y'all, mm-hmm. show everybody how to rap for real. Yeah, gotta be five. Like my dream. If you ask me, what would I want to do so I could walk away from the music business and be like, all right, I did everything. I would love to end our Pusher. Fab and Jada's albums. Three albums. Let me and all the albums. I don't give a fuck about producing on them. I don't give a fuck about credit. I give a fuck about let me let you know what you should or shouldn't be making. You hear that, Steve-o? Record by record. You hear that, Steve-o? <laughs> Steve-o? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get this above Steve-o's head right now. Huh? <laughs> the, the, the reason why, I'm not saying that there isn't somebody that can do it, but the reason why I'm saying that is because a lot of albums get made without having um, an A&R say, hey, keep it right here. Like, keep it right here. Like, like make your, your record right here. Don't make it all over the right. place because someone's going to miss a song. Like, no, make when I listen to it or when you listen to it, it sounds like a complete thought so that at the end of it, you get this thing that everybody's wishing for. Classic. Yeah, and that's what we need. Them three, they need classic albums so everybody can shut up. So you can stop, don't. Like, like first of all, MCs are scared of those three. Like, MCs on a whole are scared of Pusha, Fab, and Jada. Nobody's starting no beef with them dudes. Them three, leave them the fuck alone. Now, let me say, okay, let's, let's put these albums together and... And I'm no, don't rhyme to that beat. This beat is good, but this beat is a, a movie. 
everything you do should be part of this goddamn movie. So it should be scene on scene on scene on scene. So no, I don't want a song to just be hanging out out there. I want every record that you make to be a scene in a movie yeah, that's, that's being made. Cohesive. Right. Because that's if you it. listen to the albums that you think are your favorite albums, they're usually a, a straight, cohesive yeah. piece of work. Like, listen to Doggy Style. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. He's, he's, I, I damn near think it's impossible for him to do that again. I think the only guy who repeatedly gives you that, damn, he really be thinking about the songs he's making is Hope. Mm, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cool. Biggie did it two times in a row. Like, that's fucking unheard of. Like, yeah, two times a in a disc. row? Like, <laughs> two, he basically did it three times, three in, times a in a row. Three times in a row, yeah. But, like, it, it's fucking stellar. Like, yeah, okay, B. All right. All right. Right, and Hope delivered every year. I can't yeah, think like, of another yeah. rapper who But does. there were there were some ups and there were some downs. But I'm saying he was continuously thinking the thread. If you listen to Fade the Black, the shit is uh, it, it's yeah. almost like a story. If you listen to uh, the Blueprint, what? Yeah, that's Th- that that's, could bring tears to a motherfucker. If you listen to the, it's like a story. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it. Listen to America's Most Wanted by Ice Cube. Ooh. Like what the fuck, B? Like you can hear the bottle crashing when he dropped his beer when the chick said she was pregnant. Yeah. Like what? You heard the beer dropping? I dropped my brew. You can hear that shit. Like motherfuckers don't think that that yeah. no more. There's details. Yeah, There's details to it all. Yeah, N.W.A.'s first know. album. <laughs> yeah, it's what? Had a thousand dollar pyramid on that shit. What the fuck <laughs> is that, B? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta think it all the way out, man. You gotta do it for real. I agree. So speaking of doing it for real, you and um, a few other DJs are doing it for real. Yeah. And it's uh, in the form of a party. Yeah, it's called the Originals. The Originals. Right. How did that come about? And I mean, I've been to a lot of them, mm-hmm. and I've uh, I've left with sore feet from dancing. And, and a hip replacement. And now a hip replacement. Thank you, thank you, Clark. You're responsible partly for that. But you got insurance. So I do have money. insurance, thank God. <laughs> good looking out, Dev Jam. <laughs> how did that how did that come about? And who was like did one somebody hit everybody else? Like did Tony hit everybody or did you hit everybody and be like, let's okay. do this. Here's what Voltron. Happened. Uh, who's um, part of the originals? Is that him? Oh, my bad. Okay. I didn't the, want to say, the originals are okay. Uh, DJ D nice. Stretch Armstrong, Rich Medina, Tony Touch, and me. Ooh. It's a pretty tough lineup. We probably can't lose in a party. It, whatever. Uh, I'm not pitting you, your crew, against my crew. It's just that our party is, like, absolutely perfect. Because it's a party. It don't matter who got the most money. It don't matter how many bottles you bought. It matters that our party is just a dope party. People actually come to our party to dance. Like you go to, they days. motherfuckers do not go to parties <laughs> to dance. They go to, to 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 check out each other's jewelry. They they go to check out to see who bought the most bottles. They that go to they table. go to parties for stupid reasons. Now they come to our party to party. Anyway, when Sandy happened, there was a party that was put together for the relief to try to raise money for the relief, raise a lot of money too. It was the same five of us, and Q-Tip was on the party as well. And the party was dope. It was at Santos. It was crazy. Made a lot of money and gave it him. A month later, people from Santos called me and says, yo, that party was dope. 
Yo, it was, it was one of our best nights. Do you think y'all could do it again? And I was like, well, I'm down. I mean, but I don't know. So I started making the calls and everybody said yes. And I couldn't get a tip to answer. So when I went back, I was like, well, five of us are down. And then it was, what are we going to call the party? And because they were like down to do it. And it was, well, we're... We're five of the originals that were there. And they were like, ah, originals, we like that. I was like, okay, fuck it. So we did the party, it was called the originals. It was crazy because it was just crazy. And because of how much fun we had, we made it a monthly. So month after month after month, we just do this party called the originals. And what happens is we try to figure out what day of the month Hopefully it's a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday that we're all not working. Oh, that's how you figure it out. That's how we figure I was it like, out. It's so random. How no, that, that, and that's <laughs> the thing. Our, our only key is we want to do it every month. So for every month for four years we've done it. That's it. So, like I said, that's our only thing. We got to do it every month. So it's like I said, it's Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. We're trying to figure out the day when we're all not working. At least 30% of the time, it hasn't worked out that way. But we won't do the originals party unless at least three of us are there. So it can't be like me and D-Nice are going to do the originals. It has to be me, D-Nice, and Rich. Or me, D-Nice, and Tony. Or me, D-Nice, and... So the, the common thread is we want to represent us properly. So at least three of us have to be there. So that's how we do it. And it's just really like a super dope party. That's not. And, and because we're all friends when we DJ, you could see that we're having real fun. No, you guys are having wow fun. Yeah, Sometimes wow. more than the crowd. Yeah, yeah, because because <laughs> because one, well, I'm a guy who never ever took requests from anybody. I don't understand that, but I kind of built into these guys. You should never take a request. You're the guy who they hired to DJ, not the people coming to the party. So you shouldn't take requests. So now it's so ingrained in them to not take a request that the crowd is actually coming to hear what we play. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we brought back the energy that started this thing that, that we love. Mm-hmm. We want to go hear the DJs. Anticipation of what The anticipation of yeah. what it is motherfuckers going to play. As long as it's always good, we don't lose. So we just play our hearts out and have a good time. And it's, it's been at Santos. It was at Santos for, for like and three and a half years. Now it's Santos at Santos shut down. Oh, yeah, Santos shut down. Damn, and you can tell. Santos, was Santos shut down a week before we were gonna do the originals. Damn, that's right. So that was one month that we didn't do the originals. Where then, then the next time we did it at the Apollo. Seattle. Oh, what yeah, the, we did the yeah. originals at the Apollo. Yes. What? Like the Apollo don't... self or the cafe or the or the, the Apollo Apollo. Oh damn! Damn! Sorry, man. I'm just saying. I'm just in awe. I missed no, that. Go back I'm on my Instagram. Old. You see the marquee. I'm just in awe. Where was I that, that, that I day? Know. I don't know. But it was a free party, too. God wow. We gave it away. Wow. We gave That's why I'm away. shocked. We gave it away. Wow. At the Apollo. Now, here's, here's the other part. The That's originals crazy. might be the only party where nobody feels a way it's about paying. Don't matter nobody. What Motherfuckers don't need. I was like, yo, call me. I tell you, I put you on the list. Fuck that. I bought my ticket, B. You just want to come <laughs> to party. That's dope. So, like, one Thanksgiving, we uh, we did it and was like, no guest list. People were like, no, get fuck. The funny part is, we said no guest list. That was the 
probably the most people we had at the parties when we was like no guest list. So I'm like, what? <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have to put it all on the guest list. And Thanksgiving time is a great time to throw parties. Well, yeah, that too. So maybe that was. It. But this year we're doing it on Black Friday. Ooh, yeah, movie. so it's gonna be nuts. But um, this month we're doing it on on the 27th. And then November we're doing it on Black Friday. It's still at Cielo, correct? Yeah, Cielo's a dope club. Yeah, it is. That is a dope Good club. Good sound system. You had me dying on your grand today when I looked and I saw Dykeman Bar's yeah. uh, a request. Yeah. Like, but it was hilarious. <laughs> like, I mean, did you see okay, it? I don't want to say, yeah, it, I don't want to blow it up. Just go to Clark's page it, and look at uh, it. <laughs> it's hilarious. It, it's the way they feel up there. I respect you know that, saying? though. And the thing is, you, I, I hear you. But the the one thing I guess, like I said, I don't take no requests, so it's like you can't tell me what I can't play. Right. Let me just do me. So, of course, you wrote no me. What I'm gonna play? I'm playing some me, because you can't tell me what to do. Right. And it worked out. Crowd went crazy. And the, I think what made the crowd so crazy was the fact that I didn't pay attention to the rules, because I don't have rules. You know what I'm saying? If I had rules, I'd probably be boxed up and I'd probably be scared and I'm not scared of nothing so Facts. you know I don't I don't adhere to the rules that's what always had me being a different dude than everybody else so so the originals we could check out every month in New York City mm-hmm. for those who are in town and um I mean you have so many things in the horizon they just gotta they just gotta stay up and, yeah and, and figure out and, man and, I'm just trying to have fun man you know like yeah I think that uh if you've worked as long as I've worked, um, at some point you should just have fun. Even though, even if it's included in work, but just make your work fun or make what you do something that you love so that you're not working. Mm-hmm. So me, I love DJing. Me, I love fucking with the shoes. Me, I love creating new ideas for brands. So everything that I'm doing, I'm, I'm having fun. And I think that, you know, when you get to a certain point you should just be trying to have fun every day lesson for the day people have fun enjoy life yeah. man yeah because you know what people never realize they never realize that every, every that the day that you die is today you know what I'm saying because you never get to tomorrow and you can never get back to yesterday so every day is the only day you have yep it's good. because when you die it'll be today Right. So I'd rather live for today than to live for tomorrow, which never gets here. And I don't live for the future because the future never gets here. I'd rather do as best as I can do today. Right. It's true. I never knew it would get a philosophical ending from me. <laughs> oh, well, well, I'm not stupid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah. there's some depth to me. I mean, you asked me about Black Lives Matter. I didn't give you a regular answer. No. Nobody's going to tell you that, that we were two-fifths human. You know what I'm saying? All they're going to be like, yeah, man, Black Lives Matter because, you know, they're killing all black folks. Nah, fuck that. How about the fact that we weren't people at one point? We weren't looked at as human. We were looked at as two-fifths human. So what we were actually looking for was human rights. We look, we got our human rights. Now we're looking for civil rights so that we can be the same civilians as the next person. So, damn it, yes, Black Lives Matter. Of course. Your life matter. If you white and you feel your life matter, go let your life matter to you. I've got to worry about this black life I'm living and worrying about my kids getting hurt when they're driving a car or or getting stopped by a police officer. Like, that's some real shit to think about. You never thought about it until these videos and you see kids are like this and they're still getting shot. That shit's crazy. Sad, man. Yeah. 
Man, on that note, man, thank you so much for taking the time, my brother. Okay, Peace to the gods. You. Thank you. Thank you for real. <laughs> yes, I appreciate you, brother. And, it's cool um, to be here. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, legend. And we're going to bring you by Q because this is epic. Yeah, let's when, get when it. When everybody hears this, they're going to be like, what? Yo, sign off. Deuces. Death Radio. This has been another installment of the Death Radio Podcast. Suck yourself. <laughs>